festival. And today we're going to be looking in the Gospel of St. John. Gospel of St. John chapter uh, 6 and verse 31. Chapter 6 and verse 31. I want to say while you're finding your place in the Word of God that I'm very excited. Amen. I'm still excited about the possibilities of the Lord. Amen. I'm excited about the possibilities of the Lord. You never know what the Lord might do. Amen. Are you hearing me, church? It's a new year. It's a new year. Amen. And when we as Christians, we as the children of God, we belong to the Lord our God, who is capable of doing all things. Amen. We never know from moment to moment, let alone day to day, year to year. We really never know from moment to moment the miraculous power, the miraculous intervention of our Lord. Amen. And the things that God can do that no one else can do. I still come to the house of the Lord believing. Amen. And when I quit believing, boys, we in trouble. Amen. I think God's people should always come to the house of the Lord, not just to the house of the Lord, but we ought to get up every morning believing. Amen. Believing. As we look to these scriptures today, I'm reminded of that great truth. We belong to an awesome God. Give him some praise, church. Amen. We belong to an awesome God that is able to do awesome things. I'm just a living example of awesome things God can do. Amen. I know that. I'm thankful for that. That's my story. That's my testimony. That's who I am. Amen. I'm just living, breathing example of the awesome things that God can do. Hallelujah. And so are you. And so are you. We find our place in Scripture today to another incredible, awesome moment of the Lord. In fact, the whole chapter is surrounded by an incredible miracle that the Lord provided. And of course, following that incredible miracle is an opportunity for Jesus to speak to the congregation and to share the truth that was necessary and surrounded that incredible miracle. Stand with me as we reverence the word together, please. And in John's gospel in the 6th chapter and the 31st verse, they speak unto the Lord and they say, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father, my Father, but my Father. Amen. How many times do you use that expression? Can I, can I just start out preaching, amen? How many times 
in conversation with family, with friends, with co-workers, do you share that income? But my father, amen. You might be telling your story. You might be talking about life. You may be even sharing with somebody that, that you appreciate, somebody that is closely associated with your life that kind of understands where you are. And you may be pouring your heart out. But somewhere in that conversation should be but my father. Amen. You see, I'm not normal. Amen. I'm not like the rest of the world. Neither are you as a child of God. Amen. And so somewhere in that conversation should be attached but my father. My heavenly father. Amen. And Jesus said, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which, listen, speaking of himself, is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. We appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. We appreciate those that might be joining with us as well through social media format or certainly by the FM transmitter. Amen. A congregation, a gathering of people are in the presence of of the Lord. There is a multitude, a multitude, as we learn earlier in the chapter from the feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children. So this is a large gathering. Amen. And this congregation of people is in the presence of the Lord. I don't know how you think about it, but when I think about church, and I think about church, I think about the whole body of Christ. I think about every Christian. I think about every child of God that's been saved by the grace of God. Amen? We're part of that body. We're not the whole body, but we're part of that body. And all over the world is part of that body that is gathering in the house of the Lord, amen, in the presence, in the presence of the Lord. For Jesus said, we're two or more gathered together, right? Amen. In his name, he is where? He's not outside. Well, he is, but Amen. Because he's everywhere. I'm not present. But he's present here. He's present. When I think about this number, this massive gathering of people, Mike, there had to be a lot of needs. A lot of needs. 
a lot of physical, emotional, spiritual needs that were gathered in his presence. And you know, church, that's no different on any given Sunday morning. There are many needs that are gathered into the presence of the Lord. Amen? That's why I love church. That's why I'm excited about church. Amen? Because we are a collective gathering of needs. Amen? Physical, emotional, spiritual needs in the presence of the Lord. If you were to take out a piece of paper and pen or pencil, and you were to begin to list what your needs are. Now, if there's anybody here that has no physical or emotional or spiritual needs, amen, you're a rare breed. Amen? You're a rare breed. Because everybody praying about something. Amen? Everybody has a need of some type. Amen? whether it be our children or, or whether it be family or whether it be sickness or afflictions or whether it be jobs or whether it be free, regardless of what it might be. Everybody has needs. I'm glad that I belong to a Savior that can meet every need. Amen? I'm glad that I belong to Jesus that no need I ever come in my life that's too great for him. Amen? You'll give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Time and experience has taught me that no matter what valley I cross, no matter what troubles I encounter, no matter what difficult moments I've got to walk through, None are greater than him and his grace and his power and his presence to see me through. Amen? No different that day as Jesus stood before this congregation and, and you know, it was a massive crowd. And really the whole chapter, church, centers around this great feeding miracle that took place. As I already stated, the Bible actually gives us the number. 5,000 men plus women and children that were present. Now that's quite the gathering. Amen? That's quite the gathering. And they were hungry. They needed to be fed. I don't know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Amen? I don't know if any of you are going to try to have a Super Bowl party, you know, but whenever we have a gathering, you know, of any size, you know, we need a head count in order that we might be able to prepare for the, for the gathering so that we might be able to adequately feed everybody and make sure that there's enough food, amen. We like to have a head count as best we can of people that are going to be there. Sometimes we have church events, amen, and Lisa, bless your heart, and some of you that, that you know, we try to get an idea, a best guess, I, I suppose, of how much food it's going to take to feed everybody. Well, imagine if you put out the list and you had 5,000, amen? 5,000 to sign up. 
I wouldn't even know how to begin to prepare for 5,000, amen? I would have no clue how much food would it take to feed 5,000, amen? If it was all like Josh, whoo! Five thousand. The whole chapter centers around this great miracle of this great gathering of people that needs to be fed. Jesus takes a few fish and a few loaves of bread <laughs> to feed them. By the way, I hope you know he didn't have to have anything. As creator, right? He could have just created. But he used what was on hand, which was a couple of fish and five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 plus. I've seen numbers in commentaries of, of 10,000 plus, counting women's and, women and children and so forth, but... A couple of fish and five loaves of bread. And he says, have them to sit down. <laughs> have them to sit down. And he gives thanks. And they begin to pass out the bread and the fish and distribute it amongst that multitude. Not only in order to emphasize the greatness of the miracle. Not only did everybody eat until they were full, they took up 12 baskets of fragments, leftovers, amen, following this tremendous miracle. My friends, when you belong to a Savior like that, when you belong to Jesus, this Jesus, there is no need that could ever come in our life that is too great for him. Amen? Give him some more praise, church. What a tremendous truth. It takes the, if you really believe that, if you really know that to be true, if that is the Jesus that you are walking and talking with, it takes the anxieties of life away. Amen? Whenever you're able to know, and Karen's here, and I, I've talked with Karen in the past, and, and every time Karen would always say, God's got this. I like that. Whenever you know that everything about us is in the capable hands of Jesus, it takes the anxieties of life away. Amen? That we are in his control, in his provisions. Now, with that in mind, and even before we dive into this, we must also consider that everything done is done according to his will. He does not operate outside his will. Every time I preach this, I get the impression that making a statement like that sometimes turns folks off. Amen. 
I was a good preacher when you was talking about how, how Jesus is awesome and how Jesus has control of my life and how Jesus can take care of any need in my life. And then you go preaching about he only operates inside his will. It's that part that troubles us somewhat. Like we should live in fear of his will. Nonsense. Nobody wants better for you than him. Amen? There's not a person in the room. There's not a person in the house. There's not a person in your life that cares more about you than him. So that should not concern you, certainly should not bother you, that he operates only inside his will. Remember, thy will be what? Done. Thy will be done. Amen? And that should be our life. That should be our thinking. Amen? Thy will be done. If you see that this is necessary for me, if you see that this is a path that I must walk, so be it. Amen? I jotted down in my notes when I, I thought about that, and I thought about the pandemic once again that, you know, we've been in for quite some time now. Amen? I want to say this, church, that, that I hope that we understand that he operates within his will. If the pandemic itself was not within the divine plan and the divine will of God, he wouldn't be here. If it was in the way to the divine will of God, it'd be gone. Amen? It'd be removed. It wouldn't be allowed to continue to exist. Sometimes his ways are not our ways, and sometimes we don't understand the will of God, but God's in control, and God, hey, knows all things, amen, and knows what he's doing, amen. In the midst of everything that we encounter, and that which doesn't fit, that which doesn't belong, that which is not necessary, amen, is removed. God's still on the throne. Amen, church? God's still on the throne. God is still in control. And that should be our continued message for as long as we're upon this earth. When's the last time you told somebody, hey, God's in control. God knows what he is doing, amen, and our God is in control. That's the message that should be given to all the world, and it's a message our world needs. Let me give you some as good a preaching as I can do. Are you ready? The world in which we live and exist in thinks at times that it has all the answers. Amen? It thinks at times that it's smarter than all of circumstances and all the issues that arise. But we see that unraveling, don't we? Amen? We see that coming apart. We see that 
a lot of the uh, elected officials and a lot of the scientists and a lot of the doctors, you know, because we as a people, right, we, we've been listening closely and we've been following along. And, you know, one day they say one thing. And three months later, they've changed their mind. And we're just kind of scratching our head thinking, right? I want to say a powerful truth to the church. The last thing that our world needs is for a church to fall apart. It's for a church to become like them. It's for a church to become clueless. Amen? The last thing that should ever come out of a Christian's mouth are you ready for this? The last words that should ever come out of a Christian's mouth are the words, I don't know what the world's coming to. Yeah, you do. If you know this book, you do. Amen? This world is on a collision course with the judgment of Almighty God. It's going to give an account. It's going to give an account to a just, faithful, and true Jesus Christ. Amen? The church should never be clueless. Ever. Amen? We may not know all the details, but we know the end result. Amen? And we know that our God is in control, and my friends, that's good enough for me and good enough for you. Amen? Jesus is reminding this multitude of that very truth. That God is in control, that God is always in control, and that God will always be in control. And he uses a very simple subject called bread. I like that. Amen. How that our Lord and Savior, masterful teacher, can take the simplest of life's issues, amen, and make a spiritual sermon from how amazing that is. And he is relaying an eternal message to this congregation, to this congregation of people. Bread is essential. Bread was a subject they're well acquainted with, amen. They made their bread. They didn't have a food line or a Walmart. And it took time to be able to make bread. We understand today, amen, that bread is important. I doubt any of you, if I go to your house for dinner or lunch, I would dare say most of you would have some bread. You know? Might not have nothing cooked and say, Preacher, I'll fix you a sandwich. Amen? Bread in the house. When bad weather is predicted, what's the first thing to fly off the shelf? Bread. Milk. Amen? The essentials that people think that they got to have. Amen? And Jesus takes this essential everyday purpose and everyday need and gives them an eternal message. Now I'm about done. 
He says in verse 31, or they say in verse 31, they said, listen, Jesus, our, our fathers, they did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Forty years, church. Forty years. I guess maybe they did have a food line, amen. They didn't have to pay for it, amen. They just went out in the fields and gleaned it and picked it up and gathered it up, amen. That God fed them with manna, which is basically bread from heaven. Now they knew that to be part of their history. There was no questioning, there was no doubting, it was part of their Jewish history. And they were well aware of that. And they say that unto Jesus. Why, we know about the manna. We know about the history. We know how God fed our fathers in the wilderness for 40 years. And Jesus says to them in verse 32, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. I want you to think with me very quickly. This was a transitional time, a transitional period. You understand that, of course. They had been promised throughout their history of a Messiah, that a Messiah would come. The eternal message that John Baptist and Jesus tried to convey unto all the world at the time, he is here. He has come down from God, from heaven. He is standing before you. Now, to get a congregation of people to believe something so significant, something so valuable, it's not easy. If it was, church, all the world would be saved. If I could preach every Sunday about something so significant, and something so valuable as eternity. And what could I preach more valuable than eternity? Amen? And be able to convince folks that it's your eternity that I'm preaching about. I took care of mine. Jesus took care of mine on, on the cross of Calvary. And I have that moment, that time, that day in Jesus where he saved me. Amen? from a devil's hell, a time when I knelt and repented of my sin and asked Jesus to forgive me of all of my sin and to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. I took care of that. That's, that's, that's been done. And Jesus took care of the ability to provide that forgiveness on the old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago when he gave his life for you and me and every sinner to ever exist. 
My point is, it's not always the simplest or the easiest thing to convince folks of significant, valuable truth. If it were easy, everybody you come in contact with that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you'd be leading them to Christ. You'd be kneeling and praying with them. Amen? But Jesus certainly has their attention, amen? <laughs> I like it, boy. He knows how to get your attention, amen? You might escape a little while, but sooner or later, sooner or later. And Jesus is telling them about, you want to talk about bread? Let me talk about bread. Let me talk about eternal bread. Let me talk, talk about true bread, amen? And so he talks about this bread that, that, that they come from heaven that is given of God and that whosoever eateth of this bread, amen, listen, never hunger again. <laughs> That's an attention getter. May not be all that convincing, but it'll get some attention, amen. And they're like, hmm, bread that I'll never hunger again. And they even said in verse 34, said, they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. We're all in. Count me and my family in. Give us some of this bread. They never got their mind beyond the physical. They were still on manna. They were still on physical bread. Jesus, of course, wasn't talking about physical bread. He was talking about spiritual bread and he being the bread of life. I want to ask you a real question and then we're going to close. How much time do you spend thinking about your physical needs versus your spiritual needs? How much time is separated between your physical, and when I say physical, I'm talking about those things that are valuable and essential to life, to our physical life, to our, our being here on this earth and this planet, versus the time you spend thinking about your spiritual life. That question deserves an honest answer. Because that question will often determine who we are and what our walk with the Lord is really and truly like. Most of us, and nothing wrong with it, listen, don't, don't leave thinking I'm, I'm, listen, physical is important. I'm a grandfather. I've spent all of my life, 40 years, with, with my wonderful wife of, of planning and preparing for our physical needs. Amen? Not only should we, but we're commanded to. So it's not that it's wrong. It's not that it's a bad thing uh, that you prepare and plan for your physical well-being. I want my family to be physically well off, amen, as, as much as possible. 
Now, let me just get to it. Never should the physical be more important than the spiritual. Never. Never should it take presence. Never should it take priority over your spiritual needs and your family's spiritual needs. You may have done well preparing for them physically. You may be able to say as a husband and wife that's kind of reached retirement and up in years and say, you know, we ain't got much, but we got a little nest egg put back for them. Amen? That's good. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. How often do you talk about where they are spiritually? You see, it's a good thing for parents and grandparents. And see, I, I've got close eye on my grandkids. Amen? And I've got close eye on them spiritually. I realize they live in a tough world, a tougher environment than really I lived and experienced. Not that it's any more wicked. It's just more available. It's easily accessible. I've got an eye on their spiritual well-being. I'm praying for their spiritual well-being. And so when I ask the question, how is your family spiritually? How are they feeding upon the bread of life? Not the physical bread, but the bread of life. How well are they being fed upon the bread of life? Now, some people are going to answer that and say, well, we come to church, preacher. We come to church. I'm glad you do. Amen. We've come through the pandemic. I know what it's like to preach when the sanctuary is empty of people. It's one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Amen. I'm glad you come to church. But that's not enough. If all you're relying on to spiritually feed your family and to spiritually feed yourself is a Sunday morning sermon, you're going you're gonna to starve. You're going to get really, really hungry. As they come and get an invitational song ready and we close, Jesus said in this very same chapter, in verse 20, he says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How much treasure do you have in heaven? How much treasure do you have in heaven? Now you might have some treasure in, in Surrey Bank or First Citizen Bank or so I'm, I'm that's not the question. In the spiritual bank of heaven. How much is there? Jesus instructed this very crowd in which he fed. He said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. In other words, treasures you can count on. While every head's bowed, Every eye's closed. I, I'm going to want to skip some things, but I like what was said in Proverbs, one of my favorite verses. 
I'm glad that the Lord gave it to me many, many years ago. And it says everything that needs to be said. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 34, it says, Blessed, 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 let that soak in, is the man that heareth me, that watches daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. The most important word in that verse of Scripture is daily. 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 Every day. Happy is the individual that daily hears me. Happy is the individual that is daily waiting at my gates, watching at my gates, waiting at my post of my doors, daily waiting on me. It's daily. It's given focus daily to what thus saith the Lord. While we stand this morning all over the sanctuary and we get ready to sing, maybe you're here this morning and you say, you say, I, I, I need to recommit. You know, we were talking about revival this morning. We, we're talking about, you know, the church has been through quite a bit. And, you know, it's easy when you go through this and you go through moments. And, you know, some folks said, you know, preacher, I've missed church. It don't take long. Some of you have realized that when you're not being fed spiritually and when, you, when you're not being given a, a heavy dose of that, that spiritual feasting, amen, it don't take long. This old flesh is still this old flesh. God has one restaurant, I've said this numerous times, one restaurant in which to eat from. And it's Genesis to Revelation. Amen. Only one. Only one source of spiritual feasting in this book. You can find everything you need in this book. Amen. You can find everything your family needs in this book. There's never been a time I've searched for an answer. There's never been a time I've looked for a way that wasn't found in this book. Never. And after 40 years, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of searching. Amen. Maybe you're just here and say, Preacher, I need to get focused. I need to get back on course. I need to be feasting at the restaurant of God and in the Word of God. I need to be sharing it with my family. You know, you can't share what you don't know. Amen. You know, gossip would stop if nobody knew nothing. Amen. Wouldn't be nothing to talk about if you didn't know nothing. Amen. Unless it's made up, and who cares about what's made up? Amen. But you can't share what you don't know. You can't pass on what you don't know. How well you know this book. Amen. How well do you know this book? Maybe you're here today and you just have other needs that you just need to be met by the master, by the Lord Jesus, altars open. Maybe you're here today and need to be saved. No better Sunday than this Sunday. As we